Amen. Let's begin with prayer. Father, my heavenly Father, I thank you. My heavenly Father, I thank you. Let the power of my Lord be great. Father, let the power of my Lord be great. Father, let the power of my Lord be great. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn your people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Romans 11. I'm just going to read a quick verse here. Verse 22. And I'm only going to read the first phrase. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. Now, let's turn to Exodus 34. We're going to take a quick look here at the nature of God, his very personality. Did you know that the personality of Jehovah was in the Bible? Exodus 34, I'm going to begin in verse 5. And the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is our heavenly Father. This is Jehovah. He descended in a cloud and stood with Moses and declared his personality. He said, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And look at this next statement. Look at this next statement. This is the one everybody likes to leave out. That will by no means clear the guilty. Will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and the fourth generation. Do you see here the goodness and severity of God? Do you see the goodness and severity of God? I'm going to read that again. And by no means will clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation. This is our heavenly father. This is God. This is Jehovah. You say, well, I don't like this. And who are you? And who are you? This is God. Now, turn with me to Ezekiel 5. This is our heavenly father, and he is speaking to Ezekiel. Verse 11, wherefore as I live, saith the Lord God, surely, surely, because thou hast defiled my sanctuary with all thy detestable things and with all thine abominations, there will I also diminish thee. Diminish. You see what the father is saying to his people, the Jews? Here I will diminish thee. Have you ever seen a nation 
recently that is being diminished? It said, I will also diminish thee, neither shall mine eyes spare, neither will I have any pity. This is Jehovah. A third part of thee shall die with the pestilence, and with famine shall they be consumed in the midst of thee. This is your heavenly Father. This is the Father of Jesus. And he doesn't change. No, he's not one God in the Old Testament and another God in the New. He never changes. He has no shadow of turning. This is our heavenly Father, and we need to look at him. It says, a third part of thee shall die with the pestilence. And with famine shall they be consumed in the midst of thee. And a third part shall fall by the sword round about thee. And I will scatter a third part unto all the winds. And I will draw out a sword after them. Why is he going to do this to the Jews? Because of the way that they treated their heavenly father. The way that they treated his word. The way that they did not follow the precepts that God gave them. 13. Thus shall my anger be accomplished. And I will cause my fury to rest upon them. I will cause my fury to rest upon them. And what happens after his fury rests upon the Jews? What happens when he kills a third of them? A third die with famine, a third are pushed away, scattered. What happens when he pours out his fury on them? The next statement, and I will be comforted. I will be comforted. He pours out his fury, and he's comforted. And they shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken in my zeal when I have accomplished my fury, my fury in them. And we all know what happened to the Jews. And you see it coming, don't you? You see it coming, don't you, America? You see it coming. How are you going to escape? How are we going to escape? We have done the same as the Jews. We've turned our back on God. How do we expect to escape? Turn with me to Isaiah 52. I'm going to begin in verse 7. Now remember, our Father, our Heavenly Father, took out His fury on the Jews and He was comforted. Verse 7, Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publishes peace, that, say, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of good things. See these feet? Beautiful, aren't they? Amen. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice. With the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Look down to verse 11. Depart ye, depart ye, go out hence. Touch no unclean thing. Go out of the midst of her, be you clean, that bear the vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear reward. Behold. Behold. What are the good tidings? What? are the good tidings here. How are we going to escape the judgment of God? Right here, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be extolled and be exalted and extolled and be very high. 
Why? As many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man. Who are we talking about here? We're talking about the son of Jehovah. We are talking about the only begotten son of Jehovah. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who has believed our report? Here is your escape. Who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form. We've talked about this before. Why did Jesus have no form? Because every bone of his was out of joint. He was marred more than any man. Why? Because the Father, Jehovah, in his mercy and in his grace and in his long suffering, took our sin and put it on the body of his son. Our heavenly father took our sin and put it on the body of his son. And when he put that sin on the body of his son for us, it caused every bone to be out of joint. It caused the body to break. It caused every bone out of joint. And it says here in 53, he hath no form. He has no form. Why? We'll go on and we'll find out. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. None. The man looked grotesque. He did not look like the movies that you've seen with that noble actor stretched out his hands across the cross, looking up with that little crown of thorns and that itty-bitty little bead of blood dripping down the side of his face, or that little tear coming out of his eyes. That is not what the Word of God states. Every bone is out of joint. If your bones are out of joint, if your elbow isn't connected to the arm and your wrist isn't connected to the forearm and your knee is not connected to the thigh, you're not going to look like this. He hung there. He was grotesque. He was grotesque and he was tortured. Why? Because the mercy and the grace of your heavenly Father, instead of taking the fury again out on us, he took it out on his son. He took his, our sin, our iniquities, our perversities out on his son. On his son. And it was so much sin and so much perversity that the body was broken and every bone was out of joint. He carried our sickness and our disease, and the man looked grotesque. He was despised and rejected. You didn't want to look at this man. 
You didn't want to look at this man. He was grotesque, and he was in shame, and it was dark, and it was winter, and he hung there for you and I. But you know what? It didn't end there. Turn with me to Psalm 88. This psalm is about Jesus when he died and went to hell. And you can find that in Acts 2. Oh, Lord God of my salvation, this is Jesus speaking. I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry. For my soul is full of trouble. That's evil. That's our sin that Jesus is talking about. My soul is full of their sin. And he took it as his own. He who knew no sin became sin. And what happens to sinners? They go to hell. They go to hell. What happens to sinners? What does the heavenly father, what does Jehovah do with sinners? He sends them to hell. He sends them to hell. All right? For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh into the grave. Verse 4, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. Jesus is saying, I'm in the pit. I'm in hell. I am as a man that has no strength, free among the dead like the slain that lay in the grave, who thou rememberest no more. Remember here, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou forsaken me? He's in hell alone, apart from the Father. And they are cut off from thine hand. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. This is where I want to get to. Thy wrath lieth hard on me. Thy wrath lieth hard on me. Thy wrath lieth hard on me. Do you know that that word wrath is the same word as fury in Ezekiel 5? It is the same word in Ezekiel 5 where God poured his fury out on the Jews because of their sin. God poured his fury out on Jesus in hell for us. For us. He poured out his fury on Jesus for us. For us. Now, let's go back to Isaiah 53. I'm going to begin in verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people, for our sin. He was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Jesus died. He died. He didn't go in a coma. He didn't sleep. He died. And he went to hell. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I love this verse. It pleased the Lord to do this to Jesus. It pleased Jehovah to do this to Jesus. It pleased the Lord that Jesus had no form because of our sin. It pleased 
the Father that every bone of Jesus was out of joint. It pleased him that he had to turn his back on his own son. Why did it please God? Because he did it for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He gave him and put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Jesus' soul was our offering. Jesus' soul was our offering. You know, that was the only offering we could have had. That was the only offering that was going to work. That was the only offering that was going to work. Do you hear me? There's no other offering. There is only one offering, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one offering, only one made for us. And what did the Father do with that offering? It said, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He, Jehovah, shall see the travail of Jesus' soul, and he shall be satisfied. The Father, in his love and in his mercy, put his fury on Jesus instead of us. Do you see that? The Father, in his love and in his mercy for us, put his fury on his son Jesus for us. And when he did, and when Jesus suffered, the Father was satisfied. The Father was satisfied. He was satisfied. And what happened? Then he raised Jesus from the dead. And you know what? He not only did that, he raised a bunch of people from the dead. He raised a bunch from the dead. Why? Because our sins are forgiven. Jesus paid the price for your sin on his own body. And the Father took his fury out on Jesus. And that's where we escape. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be. You must be born again. You must be. You must be. To escape the judgment of God, you must be born again. And how are you born again? Romans 10. Go with me. Romans 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Already. 